How are we this morning? Good. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, We are wrapping up a a three-part series today on uh, Believe, Belong, and Become. And today we're going to talk about becoming a disciple. To become means to uh, begin to be or to grow into being. The first week, if you were here with us, uh, you'll remember. If not, we're going to catch you up real quick. Uh, real quick, that believe uh, means that you put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. That we believe we've received salvation not because of what we've done for Christ, but because of what Christ has done on the cross for us in our place. So we believe on Christ. We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. We confess that He's our Savior. We believe. And that was the first part of our series together that that we have together as a faith family believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we asked that question, have you believed in him? Have you believed on him? Have you committed your life to Christ? Well, that that was week number one. And last week we talked about belonging. And and we talked about after we, we believe on Christ alone for salvation, we believe in God, then we belong to God. And we talked about how um, there can be a, a million uh, kids running through a room, but when I hear my little, gr- my little guy uh, scream or laugh or cry or whatever, I can single him out and say, that one belongs to me, right? And we talked about how if I'm a wicked dad uh, who has no idea what I'm doing, then how much more is a holy God when he looks over on creation says that you belong to him, sons and daughters of a living God. You belong to God. And we said if we belong to God then we belong to the body of Christ. We said last week that if we, if we were a hand and we were severed from the body and set on a shelf and we looked at that hand and said, man, I really hope you start working again or growing again, we would never reach our expectations or our hopes or our dreams, right? We talked about how if we are cut from the body, we just die. We wither and die. So we talked about belonging to the body of Christ and the body of Christ existing on the earth as the church of God. And we talked about belonging to the church. And we said last week, you, you belong here. We want you to know that, that wherever walk uh, of life you're in, whatever you're wrestling with, um, whatever you're grappling with, you belong to God if you've confessed to him as Savior and, and, and you know that he's redeemed you and you belong here. We want you to know that you have a home, a place to be loved and, and discipled and restored. So today, we're talking about Becoming a disciple, what it means to become. And I want to tell you a couple quick stories, if you'll let me for a minute. I'll, um, when I was 19 years old, I, um, you guys might not know this about me, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to let you in real quick. But I love, love is a strong word, country music. Okay, this is one of those sorry, not sorry moments, all right? I, I enjoy listening to country music, and I, I see the eye rolls and all that. That's not real music, whatever, but uh, I do. So when I was 19 years old, I, I wrote country music, and, and I, I wrote a song. I was 19 or 20, I wrote a song, and a record label in Nashville heard the song, and they, they said, TJ, we, we want to shop this song to some people you may have heard of them. One guy's name is Alan Jackson, another guy's name is Kenny Chesney. Would you be okay with us doing that? And I was, you know, I'm 19 or 20, <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, no problem. Obviously freaking out on the inside, right? 
So over, over the next few months, uh, I'm not trying to drag the story out, but over the next few months, I, I, got, I was flown to Nashville, and they dyed my hair a different color, and they put me in some, um, probably can't imagine skinnier jeans than the one I'm wearing, but, but some skinny jeans, and, and made me wear these cowboy boots with flames on them. Listen, it was a very dark time in my life, okay? Dark time. But I remember it, it was during this time that I was, man, I was writing songs and I was traveling on a tour bus with this, uh, with, this, with this label and this one artist in particular. And, and it was this girl and I was just writing songs for her to sing and I was writing songs. And we show up in London, Kentucky to do this big show. And it was another guy actually from this town. Uh, uh, he was at that same show. And, and before the show that night, there was a race and they had race cars, now legitimate race cars, all right? Someone just happened to say, hey, TJ, have you ever driven a race car? I was standing around. There were females. Anybody ever done anything dumb because there were females standing around? Any fellas in here? Amen that. So uh, not going to be shown up? Absolutely, I've driven a race car thinking, man, a stick shift is a stick shift, right? You just you get after it. All right. So they put me in the suit. They put me in the helmet. And they said, we're going to let you take some hot laps before all the guys get here. There's only a few other professional drivers on the track, so you're, you'll be good to go. And I thought, man, this is my moment, right? So I get in the car, and I look at something that looks like a spaceship on the dash and think, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I take off. And I go from one gear to the next gear to the next gear, and I remember thinking, man, this is a lot more difficult than I imagined it to be. And all of a sudden, I begin to run some professionals off into the, <laughs> into the pit and into the median, and I, I, I remember finally getting it to a stop and getting out of the car and looking back and having this thought, you, you're not just a race car driver, you have to become a race car driver. You have to put time into understanding the, the machine and understanding the, the force you'll be fighting against, spending time getting your body into condition. You have to actually become a race car driver. You have to grow into being uh, firsthand, just letting you know, you don't just you're not just a race car driver, no matter how bad you want to be one. So I also thought another series, time in my life, well, well maybe I'll, I'll become a Navy SEAL. That's what I, you know, those, those guys seem really cool and they're, they can grow facial hair in the service. So maybe that's what I'll do. And I started investigating and, and you don't just, you're not just a Navy SEAL, you have to become one. It's 26 weeks of incredible training and then another 26 or 30 weeks of more training and then another series of training and then you still may not get in. And I thought, man, it takes a lot more than just being a Navy SEAL, you have to become one. Well, being a disciple is very similar and if not, just the same. See, you're not just a disciple. You can be a convert you can surrender your life to Christ and be a convert. But to be a disciple of Jesus means that we have to grow into being, that we day by day become followers of Christ who turn into and transform into disciples. Matthew chapter 4, read with me. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, 
circle that word, highlight that word, remember that word. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw other bro- two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Listen, I want you to hear this this morning. This is a life-altering invitation. The invitation to become a follower of Jesus and to become a disciple of Jesus Christ is a life-altering decision. Jesus is saying to the disciples, if you follow me, you will grow to be fishers of men. You will grow to be disciple makers who win people. Listen, every single one of us in this room at some point, if we are believers, if we have believed on Christ Jesus alone for salvation, if we know that we belong to his church, then at some point we are supposed to become disciples who make disciples. So I'm going to give you this this morning, and I want you to hear this, and listen, my heart is love, and I want you to know that if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you will become a disciple and a disciple maker. If you are not making disciples, then somewhere along the way, you stop following Jesus. I'm going to say this to you, okay? Followers of Jesus make disciples, so if you're not making disciples, if I'm not making disciples then at some point along the way, I'm not, or I refuse to, or I quit, or for a season stopped, following Jesus. Because a disciple follows in the way of their teacher, in the way of their master, and Jesus spent the three years, specifically three years on earth, making disciples pouring his time and his talents, his, his whole life into these guys. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But, but hear me say this. I read a quote yesterday when I was, um, yeah, la- last night even, I was reading um, on discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and uh, another book by, by David Platt called Follow Me. And this is what David Platt said in his book. He said he was gripped his freshman year of college. Because someone posed the question to him like this. If you say that you're a believer in Jesus, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, then look at the last five years of your life and how many people can you put your finger on that have been affected or changed, have grown or are transformed because of your specific discipleship in their life. Survey the last five years of your life. How many people can you intentionally put your finger on and say, I invested my life into this person, and this person grew, and this person was transformed, this person knows the Bible more, this person follows Christ on a deeper level, on a more significant level, on a more sacrificial level, because I discipled them. <laughs> can I just be real with you this, this morning? When I, when I read that quote, I, I'm, I'm sitting there with my sermon ready to go, and I'm reading this quote, and I'm like, oh, God, don't make me preach that. Because when, when I survey my last five years, there aren't near as many as I think there should be or I would want to be in that category. Can I just be honest with you today? And, and if, 
if we look back on seasons of our lives and realize that we are not making disciples or not intentionally engaging people for the sake of the gospel, then at some point we stopped following Jesus. Because listen, we can do all of these good things. We can sing worship songs. We can preach sermons. Listen, I could get up here every Sunday and preach sermons, but if I, didn't, if I never discipled someone, if I never poured my life into someone, if I never prayed that God would use me to cultivate the gospel in someone else's heart, to, to stir up their affections for Christ, for them to know him more, then I'm not doing my job. Throw all this on-the-stage stuff out the window. We're called to make disciples. People who hunger and thirst to know Christ more. People who can look at our lives and see a pattern of living that is different than the world and say, I want to live like that. I'll break it down even simpler for you. A little, bit, a little bit easier to grab a hold of. Who in your life do you know that prays like you because they've heard you pray so much? Who in your life evangelizes like you and shares the gospel like you do because they've watched you share the gospel so much? You say, TJ, that's, that's heavy, man. That's convicting. Listen, it is for me as well. I mean, there's one person in my life that, that I, I look back on, and I'm, I'm real simple in my prayers. I usually say something like, hey, God, we love you, or Father God, you know, I just kind of start. There's not really any pretense, any buildup, because I, I listened to my grandfather for years open every single prayer he ever prayed with, hey, God. And I asked my uncle one time, I said, you know, I was used to hearing people say, our Heavenly Father, thou art magnificent and beautiful, and all these words, and I was like, I have no idea what they're saying, but it sounds good. They literally can speak King James, okay? But I remember asking my uncle, I said, well, why, why, does he, why does he pray like that? And he said, well, TJ, how do you talk to your friends? I said, ah. And that moment, this moment of discipleship begins to take place where I start looking at his pattern of living. He is... He talks to God like a friend. You can have an intimate relationship with God the Father. So you know what I did? I started praying like him. I've told you the story before, but I would get his Bible, and I started underlining the, 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 the scriptures that he underlined because they were always the good ones. Who in your life prays like you? Who in your life sings like you? Who in your life serves like you? Who in your life shares the gospel like you do because they've seen you do it over and over and over and over again? If we are not making disciples, then somewhere along the way we stop following Jesus because Jesus made disciples. He spent three years teaching, investing, and being a part of the lives of ordinary men, and God produced extraordinary results. Listen, we are ordinary men and women. We don't have the secret cure other than the gospel, right? We don't have some formula to make somebody a better person or a Christian. Like, we don't have this step-by-step -step process that, that we can ensure that someone's going to be the perfect disciple. But you know what we do have? We have time. We have love. We have patience. We have forgiveness. Most of all, again, I'm going to say we have time. We invest our lives into others. We, we offer up our lives to others so that they might be a part of our lives, so they might grow. If you look at the disciples of Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, the disciples were there. Jesus was in their homes. Jesus was around their friend groups. But see, sometimes we keep Jesus compartmentalized just to church. Or just our Bible study times. No, listen, a real disciple took Jesus everywhere they went. 
Everything that they did, Jesus was a part of it. Now, I aim, my goal, my heart is that I am a disciple and that we are a church filled with disciples who Jesus is a part of everything that they do. That they're willing, we are willing together to invest our lives into other people, not just to see converts. Listen, that stuff is easy. Can I just give you like a preacher secret this morning? I could get up here and I could read you 15 verses on hell and how terrible and scary and horrifying it is. And I could just preach down to you and preach at you instead of talk to you. And I could make about half the room feel terrible and flood this altar and make a decision that you've already made three weeks ago. Preachers do it all the time. It's called fear-mongering. You can make a convert. You can get somebody to jump on an emotional decision. But to make a disciple... It takes patience, it takes time, it takes love, and it takes sacrifice. And that's why the church has been content for years just to make converts, because discipleship is messy. Discipleship means that you got to get to know me, and i got to get to know you. It means at some point we see each other's warts, our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. We, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we do life together so that we might look more like Christ eventually. I want to share this with you. The discipleship is hands-on Christianity. Now, I've already mentioned it to you that the, the disciples and Jesus, they ate together, they spent family time together, they knew one another, they really knew one another. And because they, they lived in that close proximity, that relational, I mean, just that close huddle, that, that relationship together, Jesus taught them how to love. See, he said he, he was able to say with his words to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like, it, like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was able to teach them, but also pattern that style of living in front of them. To be a disciple, we have to be able to be willing to be bold enough to teach someone what the scripture says, but also to pattern that mode of living. So he taught them how to love. He taught them how to serve. Jesus said, and listen, among you, it's going to be different. The last is going to be, or, or, the, or the first will have to be last. You'll have to be a servant. You'll have to be a slave to all. For the Son of Man, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus said, hey, I want you to be servants. And then he patterned that mode of living. Christianity is not a do as I say, not as I do kind of culture. It's trust what I say because you've seen me do it for a long time. Jesus taught them to obey. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Even in a tough spot, Jesus patterned. He told his disciples, actually, blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. But then he patterned it. He patterned that mode of living in a dark, dark place. He taught them to pray. He literally sat down with them one day and said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Most of us could probably recite, hallowed be thy name. A kingdom come, your will be. Man, guys, when you pray, he, he told them to pray, and then he showed them how to do it. See, that took time and attention. He didn't just say, hey, you, sh you better be praying. You better be reading your Bible. He taught them to preach. He watched them for, for, for three years. They watched him they watched him engage people with parables and, to, and pointed people to the kingdom that was to come. He, he taught them how to preach. He taught them how to give. See, in the same chapter that he said, when you pray, he also said, when you give. He, he, he 
taught them and that he exemplified it with his life. He taught them how to handle conflict. He taught them how to forgive. He taught them how to live a holy life because he said these things with his mouth, but then he patterned it with his way of living. And if we truly are the church of Jesus, then we should, we should be able to look at a world and invite them to follow us to the cross and teach them to be disciples along the way. If we really believe that we belong, then we should be able to look at a world that is lost and dying, going to hell with no hope of salvation, and to point them to the cross and say, hey, come, come and follow me. Follow me because I'm following him. Follow me because I, I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is perfect. Follow me because I don't have the answers, but I can take you to the answer. But remember this, we can't give what we don't have and we can't teach what we don't know. We can't give what we don't have. If we don't have a rich life in Christ, we don't have love, we don't have forgiveness, we don't have patience, we don't have peace in our life, we aren't currently walking as a disciple, then we can't make a disciple. We can't give what we don't have and we can't teach what we don't know. Matthew 28, 19 now the eleven disciples went to Galilee in the mountain on which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of this age. If we are the church of Christ, if we, we are the family of God, then we have been called to make disciples. That means that we should be a culture that goes and gives and serves and is not caught up in staying, getting, and keeping. This is pr- I'll just throw a bunch of churches under the bus this morning, not just our own, but man, we have created a culture in America where we think that this place was designed for us to come and sit and get. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No, no, that's what you think the church is for. You've totally missed it. This is a place for you to be equipped so that you might go and give. Churches all across America are dying. I've, I've shared that uh, statistic with you for it's over a thousand churches just in the Southern Baptist Convention every year shut down and, and not nearly that many are being planted. Somewhere upwards of like 800 churches a year are being planted, but many more than that, almost double, are closing every year. And you think, man, why, why are these churches closing? Why are churches dying? Why are churches not growing? Because at some point along the way, they quit making disciples. Because if they're really disciples, then they reproduce. Because disciples reproduce. Let me take you back to a time in human history. Christ Jesus has died on the cross. The disciples have disbanded. Christ shows up and he says this. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And in a time where there was no social media, there was no train, there was no uh, telephone, there was no printing press, the gospel exploded to the nations. Why? Because they weren't caught up with being served. 
they had given themselves to serve. They weren't called up with getting. They gave it all, the, they gave it all away. They wanted to make disciples. They were busy being disciples who make disciples. Life on life, getting in the lives of others, spending time and investing, pouring their lives into others in a time. Listen, just think about that for just a minute. A time when there's no printing press, man. There's no, there's no YouTube, right? You had to actually, someone had to teach you something. gospel just spread to the nations. Thousands of people surrendering to Christ and following after the way. Why? Because people decided to be disciples. They were being disciples that make disciples who prioritize discipleship. And for us, being disciples that make disciples who prioritize discipleship is important because discipleship is and always has been the only way that God wants to grow his church. Listen, you can win people with programs. Like, like, you can have good music, sometimes not so good music. You can have good preaching, sometimes not so good preaching. You, you know, you could set up bouncy houses in the parking lot, and, I mean, you, you, we, we could throw a million programs at our community, and we would catch people for a while. But our church will never grow the way that God designed it to grow and desires it to grow until the disciples start making disciples. And I, I, I'm fortunate to be a part of a church, and, and, and this isn't condemnation this morning. I'm, I'm, I love being a part of a church where I get to see disciples make disciples. And people ask us sometimes, and, and this is interesting, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, people ask sometimes, you know, what are you guys doing different over there? I have minister friends call me and they'll say, Man, the, you, you know, the services are, are growing. People are starting to join Sunday school classes. What's going on? Like, like, what are you doing? Like, are you opening with a rock song? You know, are you like, are you singing some secular music? Any Justin Bieber on Sunday morning? Like, what are you doing? Real questions. Promise. Man, we're just opening the Bible and we're just trusting the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do. And, and when I really step back and start looking, what I notice is men and women who are just ordinary men and women, just like me, are grabbing somebody by the hand and saying, hey, you can live a life for Christ. You can live the life that he called you to live. You can be a disciple. Your hurts, habits, and hangups, they don't have to define you. You can be who God's called you to be. And what I get to see is a group of disciples who are making disciples. So you say, TJ, you're, you're too focused on church growth. I'm not going to apologize. I want our church to grow. That'd be like asking, a, telling a doctor he was, he was too concerned with people getting healthy. I want to see disciples make disciples and fill these seats up and fill this place up. Why? Because it means there are more people who know the scriptures, who know Christ, more people to disciple their children, more people to reconcile their marriages, more people to hope in Christ alone for salvation. So yeah, if I'm wrapped up in it, get over it. Five discipleship, that was all the intro. We're about to do five discipleship observations. I'm going to let you go. Five discipleship observations really quick. You thought I was joking. I got five. Discipleship is owning the teachings of Jesus and endeavoring to teach others. When I say owning, I mean you, you, you don't purchase it, you, you own it. And it becomes who you are. I'm, and the 
teachings of Jesus, what Jesus said, the way that he loved, the way that he served. I'm going to own this. I'm going to have this. This is mine. This is a gift. This gospel is a gift. But you know what? I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to give it to those around me. I'm going to teach others. Another thing to remember, a discipleship observation, I want you to remember this. Remember, remember, remember this. Discipleship is not a sprint. It's a marathon. There will be bumps and there will be bruises along the way. There will be times to confess sin and to cry with the people that you are discipling. And there will be seasons where you see them grow and exemplify Christ and begin to look more like Christ. And then seasons where you wrestle and feel cold spiritually. Listen, discipleship is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Discipleship, I said this earlier in one way and I'll say it specifically here. Discipleship is why we gather and why the church matters. Discipleship is why we gather. Like I said earlier, it's not a place where we sit and get. It's a place where you are equipped to go and give. Discipleship is the only way that a church effectively grows in a healthy manner. Last point, I want you to always remember this. Discipleship makes every member a minister. See, discipleship, real discipleship, puts it back in your hands. It's easy to say, man, we, that's a pastor's job. No, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Let me read the verse to you. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are the disciple makers that will change the world. Ordinary men and women who trust in an extraordinary God to do unbelievable things. So this morning, the question is really, really simple to wrap this up. Are you growing to be a disciple? Are you becoming a disciple? My prayer for you is if you, if you know Christ and if you, you've committed your, your, your life to him in faith, you believe, you know that you belong, I pray that you would work to become. The Bible says that this is okay, y'all. That you can show your faith by your works. It's okay to read your Bible. It's okay to dig into discipleship. It's okay to fight against sin. It's okay to pattern holy living. It's okay to work that the gospel might be made known to every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue. And my prayer is that you guys would own that. You would see that, that you're the disciple makers. That you're ministers too. Yeah, I'm a preacher. Big deal. I'm just one of many ministers that fill up this room every Sunday. You guys are the disciple makers that can change your families. You can change your peer groups. You can change the world. I believe it. Let's pray. Father. Thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you for calling us to a, a life of discipleship. God, I pray you help us remember this morning that discipleship is not a sprint, but it is a marathon. God, it, it, it takes time to grow, to learn, to equip. But God, I do pray in that season, in that marathon season, God, while we're getting to know you and learning your scriptures and discipling others, God, Lord, that you would cultivate a culture here. 
God, not a culture where we think this place was designed to meet our needs and keep us happy, God. Not a place where we just sit and get. But God, make this place... God, make this place a ascending place where we, God, we're, we're anxious to go and give all that you've given to us. God, that we're, God, we're amped up to share the story of redemption that you've imparted to us to the world. Because, God, I believe this room is filled with disciple makers. Lord Jesus, I believe this room is filled with ministers who have the gifting and the grace and the anointing to change the world for you. God, I pray as much as I believe it, you would help them see it. That we together would begin to minister as disciples who make disciples. That prioritize discipleship. In Jesus' name, amen.